When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is April 21st, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys uh, are staying healthy. You know, you're staying safe, you're staying active, doing things that make you happy. Um, all that fun stuff. I don't even know what week of quarantine this is. For me, I think it's it's been over a month now. Um, it's been a long time. Uh, but starting to feel normal, which kind of is weird, but you know, we're just making do with what we got. Uh, and so, uh, this episode was a ton of fun. Uh, I will start with that. This episode was a blast. I had on Marissa and Jemmy, who used to be uh, of the Boston Herald, but because of the pandemic, uh, her position was cut, which is just terrible. Um, but she's still doing a ton of work. She'll be back at a new job very soon. So I, I don't worry about her at all, but now this episode was a ton of fun. We put together um, our all decade team. Uh, so the past decade, we did four lines um, of what we would put together as the best forwards. Um, and then three pairs of what we put together as the best defensemen. And then we picked a goalie. Um, so I thought it was a ton of fun. Uh, very interesting stuff. We had, a, we had a lot of good laughs. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, fun talk about uh, what actually is going to end up being next week's show, um, which I'm actually even more excited for, ironically enough. So um, you guys, I think, will enjoy this episode a lot. Uh, this will make you think, which is what I'm here to do, make you think. Um, first, with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, uh, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events games and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack as they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet online has live daily mad NFL 20 simulations you can wager on. Again, I say this every week, such a realistic video game, and I wish NHL 20 would be as realistic, it, but unfortunately it is not. And if you play NHL 20, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, if you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, uh, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. You can bet on that as well. Um, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Uh, bet online, your online wagering solution. So uh, before we get into the podcast, um, there is a nice message from Cedric Maxwell regarding why you should be uh, thinking about Awaken 180 right now. Um, and then after that, we'll get right into um, this very fun, lighthearted, interesting podcast. Uh, with Marissa and Jemmy. And here's my conversation with her. As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss, and it's Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy, Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105. And that's not it. Scott Zolak, 
Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura Carmen, and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken. Receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1,000 recipes and tools you need to your weight loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. And we're here with Marissa and Jemmy. Marissa, how are you? I am well, Evan. How are you? Good. Obviously, everyone, uh, all the listeners probably know because it trended on Twitter, unfortunately. Um, and it baffled me. I think baffled everybody that you were that they, the Herald cut your position because of quarantine. Um, how have you been since? What have you been doing since? You know, how have you been getting along since? I'm a free agent, so testing the market. <laughs> when there are no teams that can sign anyone. Um, so just kind of like freelancing where I can. I did this before for a while. So I, I, I know what to do. It just a lot of places aren't taking freelance stories. So it's tough. Um, for now, I'm doing a lot of stuff at the Metro West Daily News. Um, a lot of stuff well, well. this week. Uh, they're great. I used to freelance there like well before I was at the Herald. So they're great people. And I'm doing stuff for the SB Nation women's hockey website, the Ice Garden where I should have a lot of NWHL stuff, like, specifically this week um, and in the future. And then after that, like, no idea. Try, talking to a couple of places, trying to figure stuff out. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you're someone who, like, got, you know, God forbid you did get laid off. You, you were telling me before you got laid off, you had a, a list of, like, 70 story ideas that were just sports in general. Yep. Um, and features. And so that's why when you got laid off, obviously I was terribly sad for you. I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. But then I was like, you know what? She'll find a way. She, she, you know, her story ideas and, and she's brilliant at this stuff. And again, like you did it before you got this job at the Herald. So, um, you're experienced in it. And you'll also like, you'll get picked up very soon. Once this roster freeze ends, once money starts actually getting pumped back into the economy, I think you'll be quite fine. Um, yeah, it's not a great position to be in. It's not super fun, but there are people who get laid off or furloughed and are in much worse spots. So just kind of grateful to keep writing somewhere for now. Oh, yeah, totally. What sucks, though, is you may not return to the Bruins coverage, which... I I highly doubt I'm back there unless something dramatic happens just because most of the Bruins jobs are there now. Um, I doubt the Herald brings in someone to replace me. I'd be really surprised. Um, So more than likely, goodbye to the Bruins, probably. Yeah, which which sucks, by the way. Like, that is... That really gets me because there aren't a ton of young people... So when we cover games and stuff, like we have, you know, obviously we, we talk to the older writers and we love the older writers, but the, the, the young people, we're sticking together, you know, us young people and to not have one of the members of the young crew is going to be very tough in the future. But, um, it was fun. Hey, we had fun. Like, look at la- the, this time last year in the playoffs, we had a blast. That, Never that, like, looking- after game seven. Exactly. Like looking back at that. Looking back at that whole playoff run, the cup run, like that was so we had so much fun. And I didn't even oh, travel. That, role. that was the best. I didn't I didn't travel. Like you had a million other experiences with, with everybody in St. Louis and Carolina and um Oof, yeah. 
and Toronto and all those places. But uh, we had, we just had a blast. Stanley Cup, especially. This episode, uh, someone on Twitter brought this up to me. I was thinking about doing this for a little while, but I was just kind of like worried. Hey, the, the decade stuff has passed. I did a ton of it with, um, when, it, when, you know, 2020 rang in, who knew how bad 2020 would be? Um, this year is the worst. Oh, totally. So Dave on Twitter, Dave Bramble underscore Y, uh, tweeted at me at Emaranovsky podcast idea, create an actual Bruins all decade fantasy team, full 20 man roster. So I didn't do the full 20 man roster. I did, we, and I told you to do this as well. Four lines, three pairs of D and a goalie. Uh, Cause I think that makes it a little more specific um, and maybe a little quicker, I guess. Um, but great idea. Awesome. I'm glad he said that. Cause I was like, now I'm actually going to do this. Um, so I told you to make four lines, three pairs of D and pick a goalie again, some ground rules for this. Uh, we're picking Bruin, the best possible Bruins lineup you could put together um, from the past decade. They could have played one good season. You can put them on there. Um, I mean, I guess you could put anybody on there. For me personally, I didn't put any like superstars on the fourth line. I kept it to fourth liners. You mm-hmm. might not have. That's totally I, fine. I, I mostly did. Yeah. So we'll kind of keep this. Um, this will be fun because I, I tried to go a little different on my bottom two lines because I feel like our first two lines are probably going to be somewhat similar. Um, but why don't we just jump right into it? So we'll kind of go back and forth. Um, my first forward line was Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak. I think that is something that a lot of people that would probably was say. additionally mine. Yes, I would figure that would be pretty much everybody's. Um, obviously, they've not won a cup together. They've been to one. I mean, as a whole line, obviously Bergeron and Marshawn have, um, but that line's dominant. Points-wise, you know, Marshawn and Bergeron have had so much playoff success. That is absolutely line one. Uh, I take it that was probably your reasoning as well for them being line one. Yeah, they're all really good. <laughs> that is it. They're all elite. Um, yeah. My second – so, actually, you go first with your second line. Um, I really wanted to be more creative with this, but – I worked on this for like an hour, which is way too long. And most of it was on the second line because I wanted to be creative and I couldn't. So like in the end, the answer to me was Lucic, Krejci, Horton. That was mine too. But I didn't try to get creative with this. I tried my best to get creative with with the defense and the lines three and four because I think that's where we're going to have the most discussion. Um, Yes, Lucic, Krejci, Krejci, Horton. That line was so good. I mean, t- in today's NHL, it probably wouldn't be as good. They're, I mean, obviously, they're all past their prime. But, um, God, 2010-2011 to 2012-2013, mm-hmm. that line was dominant. And people forget how Krejci was the number one center. Mm-hmm. And you had, you know, Lucic being clutch, Horton scoring those clutch goals against Montreal in 2011. It always surprised me that Horton left when he did. He just kind of got up and left. The other thing with that line too, like I almost feel like it's being unfair because like Lucic and Horton had those couple of good years, like when they won a cup the year after and then when Horton left. But Krejci has been one of the most dominant pieces of the Bruins for the entire decade. And like, I wish that could be like empathized a little bit more because I don't think people realize how valuable he has been to that team for so long. And you look at even like the postseason numbers, it's ridiculous. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, Connor Ryan tweeted something the other day. I think in 71 playoff games, Krejci has 65 points, uh, if I'm getting those numbers correctly. I mean, just absurd. And the other thing is, I've always found interesting how underrated Krejci is in, this, in the grand scheme of things. Like, yes, I remember last is. year in that New England sports survey, he was ranked as, like, the athlete that missed expectations the most. Or was in the top five. Like, it was bananas. He had the most points he'd ever had last year. Or tied for the most points he'd ever scored in a season. Um and I remember, you know, fans don't appreciate him. And then this, this isn't, in, this is not really indicative, but in 2011, he was like the eighth, ninth or 10th person to get the cup when they won it. Now I know obviously it goes through the veterans. I understand that Krejci was sort of a younger guy at that point, but if Thomas was not as dominant as he was in 2011, Krejci gets the con Smythe and he could have got it again in 2013. Mm-hmm. So I think that he gets so undervalued, so undervalued. Um, but I also think people kind of like part of it, I think comes from the fact that he was so dominant early on with Lucic and Horton. It was such a great marriage that nothing's ever really come close to that sense. And I think people kind of come to expect that level of production when he has not had the pieces around him to do it. I don't know if you agree with that or not. I don't know. I think people like have unfairly complained about Krejci for a while. I remember last year over the summer when I was on this podcast talking about should the Bruins trade Krejci. Like, why do people talk about this? I know. I don't, I don't get it. I, I've never understood it. And it, it, it hits my point of like, when he's gone, people are really going to be like, damn, Bruins had it really good. They had it for, for a decade plus. They had a legit one-two tandem down the middle at center. Um, I have because... a random, like, baseball comp for him. What is it? He's like Kevin Euclid in the lineup where everyone kind of would be like, oh, we want more from him, and then they traded him, and everyone's like, oh, I miss Euclid now. That's a great comparison. That's a great comparison. It's it's the same thing because Euclid's numbers were incredibly good. When but he was people always were like, oh, he's not your traditional cleanup hitter. You want more power numbers, and he'd be out there hitting, like, 320 or something. Yeah, 30 home runs, you know. Now he's uh, – yeah, I mean, that that is a perfect comp to it. Um, And Euclid won what? One World Series with the Red Sox? Was He, he wasn't on the uh, 04 team, I He might have been part of the 04 team, like, as a call-up. Yeah, if, the, if, he, if, if that. But, yeah, 07 was his big year, yeah. at least for World Series. And then he was great um, in 08. He was great in 2011, I think. I mean, they that, traded he, him the Bobby Valentine year. Yeah. That Whatever was, year I, that was that I've erased from my mind. Yeah, and that, that that year sucked. And the thing was with Euclid was his last at bat was like a was it a double or a triple against? I think it was I forget who they were playing, but he, he there was a, something dramatic. Yeah, it was something very dramatic, but it was a good send off. Uh, sad that he had to get traded. All right, so now into the fun part. So we got the first two lines out of the way. So my third line, I struggled with this. This was the one I struggled with because I said, how can I make this different? And make it good. Because um, I think there's a lot of candidates you could put on this third line. And there's going to be some omissions. Hook or crook. Down the middle, I have Tyler Sagan. Ooh. Uh, on the right side, I have Jerome McGinley. And on the left side, I have Riley Smith. Ooh, we did go in a different direction here. So what I like... So, good. This is awesome. Sagan, people forget how good he was here in 2011-2012. 2012-13 wasn't as consistent, wasn't as great. But that 11-12 season, I mean, he really, really looked good. Um, 
Aguila had the 30 goals the one year he was here. And people forget how good Riley Smith was in that President's Trophy winning 13-14 season. Um, fit great next to Marshawn and Bergeron. Now he's killing it with the Knights. You know, he had that off year in 14-15. Gets traded for Jimmy Hayes, which was the stupidest thing ever. That might be, um, like, the worst trade of the modern era. Like, we talked about the Tyler Sagan trade, and this is part of the Tyler Sagan trade because it's part of that trade tree. But Riley Smith for Jimmy Hayes might be the worst trade. Yeah, it's funny. When I, you know, when the Bruins dealt uh, Heinen for uh, Nick Ritchie, I kind of thought back to that of, like, okay, you have this, you know, young, fast-skilled winger traded for a bigger, you know, winger, you know, more of a power forward. I thought back to Jimmy Hayes for, for Riley Smith. It's a and decent so, comp, but I also think that, well, that Smith is better than Heinen. To- totally. Totally. And I also think Richie's better than Hayes. Um, but I wanted to look at the advanced stats because the advanced stats actually f- favor Nick Richie in most offensive scenarios over Danton Heinen. So I was like, I wonder if back then, if in, in that two-year span of 13-14 to 14-15, I wonder if... Hayes was better than Riley Smith in certain offensive scenarios. And never once, he never even came close to having a similar Corsi 4. <laughs> he never came close to having a similar shot percentage. None of that. It was not even close. Amazing. There was legitimately no basis for that trade. Like, none. So, yeah, you're totally right. That trade stunk. At all times. Terrible, and it gets overlooked. All right, what's your third line? Okay. On the left side, Louis Erickson, because okay. I, I was looking up the numbers and I forget what they exactly were because I had a memory of a goldfish, but his numbers were like really good for like more than one year. He was like they were. third or fourth in scoring on the team like four years in a row or something. Like that's good. And I feel like Erickson kind of like has a bad rep and I don't really know why because like I distinctly remember thinking, oh, he's good. Um, then on the right side, Tyler Sagan. There we because go. Because agreed. And down the middle, because it turns out he was with the Bruins for seven years, Chris Kelly. Yeah, everyone forgets he was here forever. In my head, Chris Kelly was on the Bruins for like two years, and then it turned out it was seven. Yeah, because everyone thinks nothing against him because I actually really liked him as a player. I just like time is weird, and I forgot he was there for that long. And I feel like last year when he um, signed on as director of player personnel, I was writing about it and looking it up, and I had the same reaction of seven years. Yeah, no, he was here forever. And on top of that, I felt like he was very impactful with the 2011 team, um, was good the few years after, but then he had a lot of injuries, didn't he? And the teams that, you know, the 14, 15, 15, 16 teams didn't make the, didn't make the playoffs. So yeah, he messed up his wrist and I feel like never recovered or hand or something like that. Yeah. And he also had, a, didn't they sign him to a, pretty long or a fairly long expensive yeah that was one of those like one of the first like peter shirelli deals where you're just like signing a dude and everyone's like well you did not have to do that yeah that was kind of like a thank you for 2011 type thing he was just handing out those deals um that's a good one erickson was a tough omission for me because he did i think he led the bruins in points that 2015-16 season yeah um and, you know, you mentioned getting the bad rep. I think a lot of that is because he was in the Sagan deal. and he was the That main, has to be it. Main piece the Bruins got back, and he just wasn't Tyler Sagan. He was already underrated as hell. This was not going to help his case. Um, and I think the Bruins looked at him as, like, he's good enough 
to add scoring to the team, to add, you know, maybe two thirds of what Sagan would give so they can kind of push for the cup. And it never happened. Like the one time they could have done it was 13, 14. It just didn't happen. Um, and also I, I think it just, he was on those teams that weren't that great. Like I think that, you know, and by the way, the, those teams weren't technically bad. They just didn't make the playoffs. Like they both teams, 14, 15, 15, 16, they were boring as hell. But they just they, missed. They weren't the very fun. They were not fun, and they weren't especially. They were not as fun as the teams around them. Um, all right, so go first with your fourth line. What would be your fourth line? Okay, this is where it goes off the rails. I love this. Uh, Good. Left wing, Daniel Paye, who I have long time been a stand for. People Same. don't know this because I was a child on the internet when Daniel Paye was playing, but I had a lot of Daniel Paye tweets when I was a kid. Loved really? him. Yeah, he just, like, couldn't score, but he could do everything else, and I just appreciated his energy. Um, center, Greg Campbell. Felt necessary. Then on the right wing, Jake DeBrusque. Ooh, that's interesting. I feel like he deserves a spot, because I think if you're writing the story of the Bruins this decade, I feel like DeBrusque has a spot. For the performance against Toronto in 2018, Game 7? That and just... He's a part of going to game seven. He's a part of their narrative. He's a part of their story. And he had some big, or he had a big year. Um, his goal numbers are good. I felt like he was turning the corner this year and that counts kind of. Um, and then like much love to Sean Thornton. I just didn't feel like he was going to be in that spot. Yeah, I, I, so Thornton's not on mine either. He was an omission. So for me, that was a tough one that I was like, damn, he could have definitely been on it. He was definitely a huge part. Um, so I had Pi on the left side as well. Incredible pen, a penalty killer. I mean, just such a good penalty killer. So fast. He might be very, the best skater I've ever seen play in the NHL. Very, yes, very skilled. Like he was not your typical fourth liner. That was the funny thing. Like, I don't, I don't remember his early tenure. I don't remember if – like, he was a high draft pick, I think. He was a um, high draft pick, I think, to Montreal. And just, like, he couldn't score because he couldn't hold on to the puck, which, I mean, whom among us? Yes, I, exactly. And, but but he really fit that line well because he, he was that part of the Merlot line that was fast, that uh, was skilled, didn't ever fight. I don't remember a Daniel Pye fight. Maybe I'm missing something. Um but just all around good. I mean, just a good, solid winger. Um, so down the middle, I debated. On the card that I wrote this on right now, I have a bunch of crossouts, and they're all on the fourth line. Because I was like, who do I put there? So I I settled on Campbell. Um, I put Gregory Campbell. He's a part of the narrative. He's a big part, part of 2011. He had that huge block in 2013. Um, so I, I said, he, he's got to be it. Uh, on the right side, I have two crossouts. So I, I settled on Sean Corrali. I settled on Sean Corrali. I respect that. Because I think he is, he, I went with just fourth liners on the fourth line. I get DeBrusque. I totally think he's a part of the narrative, but he just to me isn't a fourth liner. So I, I didn't put him in. Yeah, that's um, fair. That's me just taking complete creative liberty. But that's good. I mean, that's, that's what makes this fun. Uh, by the way, I have an idea for after for a future podcast that we can do together, but let me finish this. Um, the two crossouts were Chris Wagner, because I think... Because he's from Walpole. The, 
because he's from Walpole, but a very solid fourth liner, scored a you know, good amount of goals last year, had that big block against Carolina um, against uh, you know last year. Uh, and I just thought he was a good solid fourth liner, and if I wanted to go win a Stanley Cup, there's a good chance to be on my fourth line. Um, and then I initially put Nola Chari for some reason, but then I was like, wait, I'm only doing it off seasons with the Bruins, not seasons where he scores 20 goals with the Panthers out of nowhere. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not, I can't put him there. Like he just didn't feel right. Um, so my final fourth line would be Pi Campbell Corrali. Um, again, my omissions for forwards, DeBrusque, I think is one. Louis Erickson for me would be one. Um, but to me, Corrali does have that, have a spot, um, on that fourth line. I think the goal against Toronto last year was big. Um, I just think his overall presence has been very good. Um, I don't know what you think about Corrali, but I think that. No, I, I respect we, that. I, I understand that one. Yeah, I think we both had very good top, you know, four lines. So now let's get into uh, into the defense, where I think there will be some disagreement. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, my first pairing, got to go Chara Seidenberg. That's um, the only answer. Yeah, I think I take it you did the same. Yes. Shut down. You're watching him now on Nesson, maybe. Um, just a. By the way, how about that virtual clubhouse thing they're doing, where they're That's letting super the. Cool. I love that, that idea. That is cool, but like, Tim Thomas. You think Tim Thomas is gonna be there? You think Tyler Sagan's gonna be at this? Like, well, how many Thomas players? It's funny there? because when the whole like he got inducted to the USA Hockey Hall of Fame, and I got like an email that it was gonna be a conference call and I was joking with some hockey writers like how imagine if Tim Thomas is on this call and then he was so I have no predictions yeah I I would be but honestly it'd be awesome if Tim Thomas was on it um sixth sixth grade Evan Marinovsky will be going wild watching Tim Thomas talk about his big shutout in game seven and then if Sagan was on it that would be pretty cool too but I feel like he I feel like there's a greater chance of Thomas being on it than Sagan yeah I feel like you have to get invited right yeah there it you is. Know what I mean. <laughs> there, there it is right there. Um, all right. So what was your second D pairing? Okay. I went with Tori Krug and Johnny Boychuk. That's a good, I like that. I like that second pairing. I think Boychuk, again, he's one of those guys. If you're going to tell the story of the decade, he's included in the narrative and Krug, his consistency I don't think, I mean, I think in Boston, maybe Krug is appreciated. I sure hope so, but I'm not sure he is appreciated as much as he should be in general for just what he does for that team. Krug is for sure in it. Um, So Krug was my second pairing uh, left shot defenseman. Uh, When it came to the right side on the second line or second pairing, excuse me. um, I think I'm going to get some heat for this. I had Tori Krug. And Dougie Hamilton. I think Hamilton. I came so close to putting Hamilton on mine, but I was a coward. Hamilton was good. I mean, and now he's turning into a Norris candidate in Carolina. He's kind of found his spot. He's an odd duck. You know, he's a weird guy, but he was good. I mean, he was a skilled, skilled right shot defenseman. He was on the power play. Um, You know, he kind of came of age in that, that lockout shortened season in 2012, 13, you know, very good, their president's trophy year. And then 14-15, he had 42 points. Um, so to me, I mean, he, he's always been a high point getter. For me, he's on it. And also, he, if you're going to go narrative perspective, totally. I mean, this was their wonder boy on defense that they traded away at the 2015 NHL draft. Like, he's a part of it. 
Um, and I think history is a lot different had he stayed. I mean, imagine, you know, I don't know how they would work this with the cap. If he, if he just fit into the locker room and maybe took some less money, who knows, but you know, if him and Kruger on the back end right now, you know, maybe they that do changes. That defense where you have McAvoy, Carlo, Krug, Hamilton. Yeah. And you have Mac with like in the picture still like, Jesus, that's amazing. It's an, it's an incredible crew. Um, and I think that really does shape a lot of it. Like that change that, that really, I mean, do they miss the playoffs in 2015, 16, you know, do they miss the playoffs in, well, no, it was only 2015, 16, you know, do they go farther in 2016, 17? Remember they had none of, they had none of their defensemen Mm -hmm. in the playoffs. So who knows? Um, he, to me is definitely a part of it. So my third pairing, I went with, Johnny Boychuk, because I felt like, same as you, part of the narrative, important part of the 2011 team and the 13 team, such a good hitter and such a hard slap shot. If you could think of someone, aside from Milan Lucic, if you can think of someone your average Bruins fan would salivate over, it is Johnny Boychuk. Don't forget the Adam McQuaid stands out there. Adam McQuaid as well. He he too. Actually, him as well. But Boychuk, I feel like a little bit more. Uh, well, McQuaid was a better fighter, but Boychuk could crunch people. When um, I was a kid, Boychuk was my favorite Bruin for a period. Really? Yeah. I, just I went loved from Mark Savard to Johnny Boychuk being my guy. Mine was Chara for a while. Um, and then I, I, I loved Krug coming up because I was a defenseman too. So I was like, oh, you know, you know, a, a, a kind of a smaller defense, you know, left shot defenseman, Tori Krug. Um, I don't, Boychuk I loved, but I wasn't as big a stand, I don't think, as you. But I loved his He was his my dude. Shot. I had a Boychuk jersey as a kid. Did you really have a Boychuk jersey? Yeah. As that a is kid, cool. I had some of the most outrageous jerseys. I, I still currently own a Sean Thornton jersey. Really? That he signed for me at a Portland Sea Dogs game. <laughs> it's like what one of my favorite items I own. I have a Jordan Curran jersey simply because it was $50. <laughs> No, you don't have a Jordan. That is so cool. It was $50 at the Bruins Pro Shop, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get this. I was also like 14 or 15 at the time. Oh, my God. That is so cool to me. I don't have have many jerseys. Well, ever since I started writing, I stopped buying jerseys, so everything I have is like very old school and weird. The Jordan Caron, by the way, the Jordan Caron jersey would be an incredible tweet. Like, that is such something Bruins Twitter would eat up. (laughs) I would have found that I have it here at my parents' house. I don't even remember. That is so funny. I don't have any – I would get jerseys. I never got jerseys, really. I would only get, like, jerseys. And I think they were just, like, typical I, – I don't – I didn't have any weird ones. I had more oh, God, Red Sox. I had the dumbest jerseys. What did you have for jerseys? Let me hear it. Uh, for the Bruins, I had Daniel Paye. Love it. Um, Dougie Hamilton. I had a Teach um, Me How to Dougie t-shirt. Yeah. I had Ed McQuaid. That's a good one. Uh, Mark Recchi. Good one. I didn't get any Sagan stuff just to be defiant. And everyone was like, oh, you're a girl. You love Tyler Sagan, right? And I would be annoyed. So I'd be like, I do, but like, I'm not going to tell you that. That's really Uh, funny. (laughs) I like, I didn't have any Bergeron stuff for no reason other than like everyone else did. So I did not. It was always the same way. So for me, I always got more Red Sox jerseys. Oh, my Red Sox Um, ones were dumb. And I never wanted to get Ortiz or, you know, uh, anybody mainstream. I wanted odd ones. I wanted, like, different guys. Like, I had a – I bet I, I had can J- too. I had a Jason ba- – you probably can. I had a Jason Bay one. 
Um, oh, what were some other good ones? I mean, I know I had like Beckett. Um, who did you have? Because I oh god, the best one I have is Nick Green. Nick Green. Yeah, remember I, him? I don't remember him. Shortstop came in for uh, Julio Lugo, Jed Lowry. He looks identical to Wes Welker. He was a switch hitting shortstop. Hit. He hit the foul pole on his opposite field home run on his day game against the Braves, and I was like, I'm going to get a jersey just for this. Wow. That's a good one. Who else? Who, what's another weird one you have? Uh, John Smoltz. Really? Yeah. That, that is very obscure. Yeah. Huh. I had a Jed Lowry shirt I wore so much, the numbers wore, wore out. Really? <laughs> he was number 12, and that was my number in softball. Oh, my best one, my Daniel Bard shirt. I wore it at every game I went to. You had a Daniel Bard shirt. Daniel Bard was my favorite player for a while. He was so good. I loved Daniel Bard. He threw me a ball one time in Baltimore, and, like, this man pushed me and, like, took it. And I was, like, 13, and I was so angry. And then, like, a couple years later in Tampa Bay, he threw me a ball, and it's, like, one of my prized possessions. Like, I finally got that, Daniel. What's so funny is like something like that where someone pushes you aside, that should be on camera somewhere. Um, I was ready to fight him, but I was like a five foot four, 13 year old girl. I'm, try- I'm, I'm really trying to dig deep into the, into my vault of my head of like what jerseys I had that were like extremely obscure. Cause I know I had a, I had like almost the entire Red Sox lineup back in like the late 2000s. Um, Any JD then- Drew attire? I didn't have JD Drew. Ah, uh, don't be a coward. Didn't have JD Drew. Drew. Was also my favorite. Drew was great. That oh, he was that home so run. Good and everyone hated him, and I didn't know why. Yeah, he was just hateable. He didn't run hard enough, and in Boston, that obviously is held against you. So we totally got off the rail <laughs> of third line right shot defenseman. Um, oh well. Oh well. Uh, to finish us off, though, I had Boy Chuck and I had Charlie McAvoy on the right side. What did you have for your third pairing? Andrew Ference and Brandon Carlo. Ooh, so you went with Carlo over McAvoy. Yes. Why? I don't know. I just feel like it. Carlo matured quicker as a player, if that makes sense. Um, I feel like if you were going to take early Charlie McAvoy or early Brandon Carlo, early Brandon Carlo did more. And that's not taking anything away from Charlie McAvoy because I think he's legitimately like a star in the making top five defenseman in the NHL of the future. I just feel like this decade specifically, Carlo's narrative fit more. Yeah, I mean, Carlo is, I think, it didn't, it hasn't taken Carlo as long to, to kind of establish himself solely because right, we're going, shut down Right, for presence. me, it's that longevity almost kind of gave him the edge. Yeah, I went with McAvoy solely because I, I like, you know, his two-way game to fit in. Uh, but, I mean, I'm a huge Brandon Carlo fan. Um, so I, I totally see that as well. So, yeah, that's, those are our lineups. Um, my omissions on D were just Andrew Ferentz, Brandon Carlo. Um, there was nobody else I could think of that would really warrant being in there. Maybe 2011 Stephen Camper. <laughs> oh my god! Which everyone forgets about. Like this, I, I, maybe I'm forgetting, but he was he was like a, a solid young defenseman back then. Like he would he played with Chara. I liked Camper at the time. So I when he traded I mean, oh, to Minnesota, I remember being annoyed. Yeah, I mean, I just remember being surprised. I was like, isn't this guy supposed to be, like, something big on defense? The other omission would be Adam McQuaid. I mean, he was there for a long time. Yep. Um, big in the room. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's any other defenseman 
that would warrant being on that uh, or om- be an omission. My goalie Thomas was Caberle. Oh, t- uh, Thomas Caberle. Uh, my goalie was Tuka Rask. Yeah, I don't know me what too. you went with. Yeah, we both went with Rask. Uh, I know Thomas won the cup, but like Rask brought them to two longevity. Exactly. All Rask and so consistent. Um, and everybody forgets about that. So the, the idea I had for a lineup, and I might do this with you, or I might do this with someone else. I want to hear what your reaction is. Pick me over Connor and Ty. Yeah, maybe. Well, Ty, Ty never comes on anymore, which whatever. Oh, boo. Um, boo, boo, boo. Um, but so I think a cool idea would be, and you listeners tweet at me, like, let me know if you like this. Cause I think this is a funny idea. A lineup of the most obscure Bruins. Like obscure slash forgettable Bruins of the last decade. So oh, a four, I have a lot four, to contribute to this. Four lines and three D or and three pairs of D. And there are gonna need to be some rules. Like, can it be a guy who played just one game? Can it be a guy just from preseason? Oh, I like know. there's gonna have to be some sort of rule. It should be you had to play a full season, or had to play at least. Like at thirty least games 20, or something. At least thirty games in one season. It can't be like. Oh, I, some obscure, like, guy who played four games in the preseason. It has to be, like, a, 30 games or more. At least 30 games in one season. But, like, you could put the whole 2015-16 Bruins oh my God, <laughs> as yes. an entire team. I mean, there's so many names that are popping into my head right now of guys that would fit the bill so well for that lineup. Greg Zanin. Greg Zanin, John Michael Lyles, Lee Stempniak, Brian Gionta. Like Lee Stempniak is not obscure. He was there the entire year last year. Last year? Every practice. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Every it was my favorite bit all year. Tweeting Lee Stepniak's at practice. <laughs> that is hysterical. I forgot about that. So yeah, I mean, I think we could have a bunch of fun with that. Um, I might just have you on next week to do it again. Like, I think that would be hysterical. I don't have anything else to do. Yeah. All right. So you'll be on again next week and we'll do most <laughs> obscure. Cause I think that's so funny. Like, I just find that hysterical. And, and I know that's your kind of similar humor as well. Um, so usually I end the podcast with saying to my guest, do you have anything to plug? But you already kind of talked about that, how you're freelancing. So people can see your stuff in the Metro West Daily News and on SB Nation, correct? Yeah. For now. And so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what you got. Um, I don't have anything to plug except this podcast, which you're listening to. Um, stories are c- going to continue to come out. You know, there's more Bruins availabilities, which is good. Um, Marissa, you're not missing a ton. I'll say that. Uh, Only my know, extreme FOMO. I know you have FOMO from it. But, I've undownloaded you know. Twitter like three times. I know you told me that. I feel, I feel bad. Like Charlie Coyle, and I'm like, no. <laughs> Bruce Cassie's going today. Oh, damn it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're staying busy, and that's all that matters. And you're, you know, you've earned the right to kind of take a little time off. But now you're back into it, so you know that's uh, that's all well and good. But yeah, that's on. yeah, that's it. I mean, that's it for this week's podcast. I had a bunch of fun with this lineup. I'm actually probably gonna get started on the next lineup like the minute I hit end on this call because <laughs> um, I think it's funny. But uh, yeah, for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. I hope you Bruins listeners are staying healthy, staying safe, and make sure to have a great rest of your week. Yeah.